discussion with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. I have a guest on the show who I'll introduce to you shortly. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So tonight, my or today, my guest is someone I know quite well and you many of you know quite well. Also, um, I, he doesn't deserve or need an introduction because of how wonderful he is. Also, because uh, I didn't ask him to send me anything, so I don't have anything to tell you. But he is incredibly intelligent and uh, here to share some of his brilliant thoughts and to have a discussion with me on some pretty big topics like the meaning of life. Uh, spoiler alert, we don't have the answer for you, but uh, we will get into speak some of yourself. those. <laughs> well, speak for yourself as he spoke for himself before I introduced him. Let me welcome to you uh, Parham Holakwi. Thank you for joining me on the show, my brother, Parham Holakwi. Welcome. Farid, thank you so much. What an introduction. It's yeah. so good to be with you. I, you know, I'm a longtime listener to your show, even longer listener to you. I was going to say, I've li- we, we both listened to each other, maybe too long or too much. But nonetheless, today we said, let's start with the easy, small topic like the meaning of life and then see where that um, takes us. But it's uh, something we've talked about a lot. And I've obviously on the show, it comes up as well. Um, we had a nice conversation about it recently. We thought it would be uh, interesting and important to bring up this topic. And as I said, it's not that we have an answer uh, specifically, which maybe is part of even the discussion. Uh, of the meaning of life, um, a question that we've long asked throughout human history, uh, and even some of it might be because we can think the way we do that we even think about these types of things. That doesn't there even need to be a meaning of life. Maybe we won't go there. Um, but I like Viktor Frankl's uh, account in uh, Man's Search for Meaning, where he says, you know, we ask, what's the meaning of life? But he says that it's a question that life asks of us in the sense that each individual needs to find their own meaning of life. It's not that there's just one meaning, but we are asked and it benefits us to find meaning and purpose in our own lives. And it's an individual journey. And I can't tell you what your meaning of life needs to be or should be. Uh, And likewise, someone can't say that for someone else. But I think that's a, a good starting point of looking at just when we look at a question like this, it's definitely not going to be something that the meaning of life is something simple. What yeah. do you think? Well, I, I think I've noticed often when professors, when academics, when they don't have a, the days that they don't have a lesson plan, they just ask really big questions <laughs> because that, allow, that gives them the freedom to go in so many directions. So this is a, an indication of lack of preparation, ladies and gentlemen, Fadid's audience. Um, but I will tell you this. Here's what I was, I remember it was just a few days ago, me and Fadid were having a conversation and I was having the most incredible time. It was one of my most joyous moments. And I'm not saying this because he's in front of me. I'm saying it because he paid me to say it. No, I'm saying it because it's, so tr- it's one of my most enjoyable moments is sitting with Fadid and having a discussion where I think about things in a new way. He gets me to see things in a, from a different perspective. And I just didn't want this conversation to, to stop. I had an appointment that I had to leave for. 
And by appointment, I mean I had to go to the gym. But uh, I had to leave for that, but I just didn't want the conversation to end. And so um, I was hoping maybe there's some way. I was thinking to myself, I wish if other people could hear this conversation we're having, they would be so bored. But I thought it would be funny and fun if we could capture some of that, some of that here on the air. And by having it be a bit less structured than maybe we've had in some of our past discussions that were fruitful in a different way but to leave it a bit more open and see where it goes it could be it's either going to be really interesting and exhilarating and fun or a catastrophe we're, we're going to find out live on the air which of those two it is yeah together. We, might, we might question our own meanings here <laughs> after this conversation but yeah it was an enjoyable conversation i think it was um one that i like continuing it because it's not something I think I'm going to get a clear answer to, but it's something we continue to explore. So, you know, there's lots of ways to look at what gives life meaning. And uh, usually what we find in my own experience and in working with people is that a lot of times what we think is going to give us meaning in our life, like being successful or famous or getting certain things, usually does not make us feel that way. And so it ties into my own kind of conception of success where it's not about what you get, which is often what we think, money, fame, attention, all those kinds of things. And it's actually more about what you give. So I think one of the foundations of a meaningful life is one in which you give something from yourself, of yourself, to the world and to others um, that then makes it feel meaningful. So it's a strange a way of turning things around because if we also look at being a biological being a lot of times it's about well how can I put the less effort and get something out of it you know that's how you survive but when we look at what makes life meaningful or can makes us content it tends to be from what we give not just what we're going to get absolutely I think uh, the journey of life then becomes uh, determining what to give and I think that requires two things one is self-awareness, uh, a deep awareness of, of who we are and what our gifts are, where we thrive, where we are able to contribute most. And then the second thing is almost it seems like it's the opposite, but it's a look outward to the world. What does the world need? So trying to find that match between what we are, what our strengths are, and what the world needs. I think once we find that giving, you're right, sometimes it's it's seen as something that's being given up or giving something of ourselves. And in a very crude and simple sense, that seems like, well, why would you want to give, give unless you can get something more in return? But once you're giving in that manner, where it's it's an expression of who you are, then um, we're nourished by that more than anything else. I think that's, in some ways, maybe the the gift of life, the journey mm -hmm. of life, is to discover that. I think you found that in in some ways, and I see you when you're uh, helping your patients, when you're in your private practice, or doing it in a more public sphere such as this. It's a place where I don't think you feel deprived of or you feel your energy has been reduced. Mm -hmm. I think the example I've also seen of that is in, is in our dad. I, I know that when he's at work, he's being nourished. He's being energized. It's not something that he's losing when he's giving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, you know, even what you said, for me, uh, and I think it's for everyone, it's also the meaning of life is a process in the sense that what you described, like I'm still... I do enjoy the things I get to do. I'm very grateful for them. But they've also slightly evolved and evolved in, in different ways. And I can 
see that there's more to it in evolving. So, you know, sometimes we think of these questions, and that's why I said it's you know we don't have the answers because it's not a up meaning of life done. It's mm-hmm. an ongoing process and understanding. And even if you found it for now, and it might be yeah. a guiding post or a direction, you're going to continue to understand it and update it and, and see what it means to you in different ways. And in different stages and phases of your life, the meaning could change. You know, uh, our good friend Sina, we saw him last night and seeing how he is with his son, you can see that yeah. that was a layer of meaning that he couldn't have obviously had before he had his son. Um, but now it's adding a meaning. So his meaning of life has changed actually in the way he was even describing it. That's become the most meaningful part. Um, so it, it is a, a, a kind of as our, we ourselves are living, this process and journey of understanding our meaning of life is a living thing. It's not, a, oh, I found it and I'm done. Um, even if you do that, you actually might you know, take away from that meaning over time, it might kind of erode. I agree. I think a meaningful life, I think, is one in which we are seeing the world with fresh eyes. The more we we laid in the world with our expectations of what it should be, or why didn't it match this thing that I expected, this could be of people. When we're disappointed in people, it's usually because they haven't, it's, it's something that hasn't met our expectations. But if we see them as they are, they're being what they are, whether it's selfish or greedy or, or helpful or kind, whatever that is, that's what they're being. And we, when we also in our own lives have certain yardsticks, oh, I should have reached this destination financially, professionally, or in whatever else it is. When we place those things, I think that's when we get disappointed. And that's when I think the meaning comes out of life. We should, I think, as you said, there's no final destination that we've reached. There's no, it would be, if someone tells you, that I have the meaning of life and I'm going to give it to you in the next 30 minutes, in the next segment. Uh, they, they've defined themselves as a charlatan because these are, by their very nature, open-ended questions. And I think the most interesting questions don't have clear answers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mathematical proofs when we have a final answer that's more definitive. Those are less interesting to me than those questions that don't lend themselves to clear, unequivocal answers. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, and you even kind of this idea of meaning as a process. Even when we think of like, living a purposeful life or a value-driven life, those that purpose or value is a direction or a guiding force, but it's not a, like, I'm done. You know, I found my purpose. Even within that, you have to go towards something, right? Even if you found, oh, my purpose is to make music. It doesn't mean, well, I'm done. Now you have to make music. You might learn how to become better at it, how to share it with others, how to collaborate. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that go within that. So I think it is very important, though, to find those values and find that purpose to create that meaning, but recognize that it's going to be more of a now directional guiding post rather than a, I found it and I'm done, which is, I think what people think is like, oh, I found my meaning or I found my purpose and I'm done. But again, it's more of this direction rather than it's this destination that you've reached and you're done. I think in some ways it's even, it's uh, to alleviate our own anxiety mm-hmm. to know that we've, we've, we've reached the destination. We have achieved I have the meaning now. And it's much, the truth I think about these things is that it's, like you said, it's constantly evolving. And we have to be at peace with that. I mean, even when we saw our good friend Sina last night, he's with his his son, and he's going to continuously surprise him Mm -hmm. as he grows. And he's going to, whatever predetermined idea he has of who he will be when he's two years old and three years old and as an adult, he will determine that, his son will. His son will determine that, and he has to I think at best, you allow that to evolve. And I think life is similar. Life is going to continuously surprise you. And it's our ability to 
um, adapt and evolve with those surprises and be at peace with those things uh, rather than to have a, uh, I guess, a fixed version of, okay, this is my meaning. Mm-hmm. And I and I now have reached this. And if anything strays from that, it's going to cause me to feel frustration. Right. And as you said, that's partially, uh, you know, the anxiety is finding it and the anxiety is being flexible to change and evolve with it, too, because, it's like, well, if I found it, I'm afraid to change it because how do I know if I'll find it again or, I'll, you know, what I'll go to is better or good or I can handle it or it's the right destination. And it is scary to, to have this that flexibility to see what life, you know, what's happening in life. And I think this is, and maybe we'll continue on the break, at least I'd like to share some more ideas on this. When we're talking about meaning, again, it's not this, I found it. It's a kind of this, you find some things that are driving you and guiding you. Um, But I think if we don't recognize that, we can get very stuck in our lives in the sense that we don't see what it is that we actually can do, the opportunities that are there. And so the values are important because what I see happening with even myself, clients, people in your life, life is happening to us much more than we're choosing the way we want to live our life. And there's constraints and things that happen that we can't all control. So I'm not saying just do whatever you want, whenever you want. That doesn't make sense either. And that would be actually ignoring your your uh, responsibilities and things like that. But there's this way of just, okay, I have all this stuff and this is happening, that, and now I have to do that. And then the next day and the next day, and there's not this, I've chosen to live my life in a certain way. And so it requires pausing and reflecting and saying, well, what do I want? What are the principles and values I want to guide my life? And what is in 20, 30 years when I look back on my life, what would I have liked to have done or I think is good? And you don't even really know. You don't know how you'll feel in 20, 30 years. But what are the values that I think I'd like to see guided my life to get me to where I am? And I think that leads to this sense of contentment, which I also want to touch on too. Contentment versus happiness. And there's, of course, different ways of defining these terms, which will make it important. But um, we are at a commercial break. Uh, Yeah, we're listen, we're going to we're going to unravel the mysteries and the meaning of life in the next segment. We need another, I think 15 minutes should be enough, right? Yeah, I think we do it yeah. 13 should be good. Great. Cool, cool. Good, good. Let's Can't go to wait. commercial break again. My guest today, Parham Halakwi. We'll be right back. <clears throat> Welcome back. Again, joined by Parham Halakwi. We are talking about the meaning of life. And in the previous segment, we talked about how it's more about values that guide you towards a sense of meaning or a kind of a feeling and experience of meaning rather than meaning being some destination that you found and once you find found it um, there's nothing else for you to do essentially it's very easy And, and then I also said how you have to pause to kind of find those values that are gonna guide your life that they might not just come to you or life itself might not just on accident become meaningful for you um, and even as I say that, I recognize some people in their lives might feel or it has a, it's harder for them to take that pause or, you know, they might have more stresses. And that can actually be its own discussion of allowing the space for people to find their meaning means that people need to be taken care of to some degree where they don't have to focus on um, just survival. And this ties into some things of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we could say. Um, but, you know, we need to think about what are the values I want to guide my life. And I don't think all of us are really thinking about that often or realize that whether you want to or not, there's things that are guiding your life values. You just maybe didn't choose them so consciously. And I think that's what I'm suggesting is that take a conscious look at it, a purposeful look at what's guiding your life. 
to take a pause. I will say just a quick aside before we delve further into this. That entire commercial break, me and Fatty talked. The only difference between on the air and off the air is off the air, we just talk faster the entire time. And I've lost my voice having cough drops, so I should be preserving it, but I can't help it when I'm around Fatty. I just have so much that I want to talk about with him. But uh, I think that self-reflection and self-awareness is crucial in my in my estimation. And I think even therapy is a big part of that. I mean, the fundamental principles of philosophy that began the inception of philosophy is know thyself, know and understand who you are, is the journey of life. And we never ultimately reach that. But the more we can understand ourselves, our biases, what makes us feel alive, what our fears are, the more we have an awareness of those things. And I think that does require a level of even mindfulness and pausing. You know, sometimes we have a, an immediate emotional reaction to something. But I think, and I've heard Fadi say this in his programs, if we can take a moment and pause and recognize, oh, this is triggering me. This is, I'm having a disproportionately uh, angered reaction to this because this reminds me of something that I experienced in my childhood for example or this I haven't had enough to eat today something as simple as that but being able to recognize where those emotions come from allow ourselves to have a bit more peace of mind mm -hmm. than to just be uh, enslaved to where emotions and drives and impulses take us and sometimes those same things can take us even into careers they can take us into jobs when we lack self-awareness that's when I think we sometimes end up looking back and wondering is this really what I want to be spending my time on? Or am I simply just subjecting myself to what others' expectations of me are? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, others' expectations is an interesting one because mm -hmm. the people we admire for doing things, and we're actually going to talk about this later, are almost always people that did something that was different from what everyone else was, was thinking. That's what makes us um, admire them. But as you said, taking that pause, that self-awareness, reflecting on ourselves uh, is so critical. And I don't know if we want to get into some of the values that we think could be important to use or important to, to guide your life, but we could think about the things we want to do. So for example, uh, you know, one of the things that does seem to relate to meaning in life is, as I said before, in a way, contributing to others in the world in some way. And so anyone you talk to, ourselves included, if you say, would you like to help more people? No one says, no, I don't like that idea. Um, it's just like community service. Do you think it's good? Yeah, you know, I think it's great. I would love to. I know a few people that might say that might say no. Maybe not. Maybe there are some, but and very rare. Yeah, very rarely will you find that, but there are some. But in general, people think, of course, I would like to do those things. Yeah. But it does take some, con it doesn't just happen by accident. So even for me, doing something like community service in some way, I realized I, yeah, I want to help others, but I wasn't necessarily doing it. I had to make it a part of my week where it was a non-negotiable scheduled part of my week to do it, even though I had the same desire and intention before I was doing it. But I had to kind of pause and make a change and include it in my time or else it wasn't going to happen. And same with anything else that we do or don't do. Everyone thinks you should exercise more. Uh, exercising is good. Reading is good. Doing these things are good, but we don't necessarily have them in our life because, as I was saying before, life kind of is happening to us. We say, oh, I just don't have time, right? People that exercise a lot, it's not that they have 28 hours a day or they're not busy people. Often they're incredibly busy people that prioritize that and make sure it's in there. So this is what we mean by looking at not just values, it could be even behaviors, actions that you want 
in your life. And even those usually are guided by something good. For example, I want to exercise because that leads to more health, makes me better, makes me more capable to help others, to be there for people that I care about and, and you know, is good in a lot of different ways. So that's guiding what you're doing. Um, but if you don't consciously look at your life, you're not going to have it there. And you can look back like, I wish I did that thing, but I didn't, you know? Absolutely. And I think um, there are a lot of psychological behavioral biases. A lot of the economics literature and research has focused more on this over the last few decades. And so if we simply rely on what we feel is the right thing to do in the moment or day to day, we are not always going to do the thing that's optimal from the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And so even something as simple as uh, compassion and, and uh, empathy and service to others, um, or even, even donating, charitable donations to others. If we wait for the moment where the impulse and the emotion and the compassion strikes, and that's the only times we give, we may not give as much as we think we should looking back over the, over the last six months, over the last year. But if we embed that into our lives through structured ways, when we're thinking clearly about what we want our lives to be filled with, then those become the habits, and those habits end up having positive uh, consequences that we can then look at and say, oh, over the last year, I did exactly what aligns with my values. Mm -hmm. But if we allow it to just be a momentary, moment-to-moment, -moment, even day-to-day -day experience, we may look back and think, gosh, that is something that would make me have a much more nourished, valued, fulfilled life, however I didn't do it, simply because I didn't take the time to structure it and embed it into my life in a structured, consistent manner, yeah. as you have, you have yeah. done that. Well, I mean, I've done it in some aspects and not not all, and that's actually, I was gonna suggest based on what you're saying is like you can do a type of an audit, if you, you know, it's kind of like a meeting, meaning audit, purpose audit, whatever you wanna call it, but I think it's important going back to your know thyself and self-reflection and self-awareness. You know, let's say you could look at your whole life, but let's say even the last six months or last year. What? I've done, I've done terrible. Okay. No, and no, maybe I'm kidding. It's, yeah, it's well, okay. we, we it's all have okay. in some ways. We hope, you know, I think we should be able to see the good and the bad. Like Absolutely. I've done some things that are good. I like these things. And what, what are things actually I think I would have liked to have done more or not have done that I did. Yes. And, you know, take a look at that. And, and this is part of doing any of these types of things involves a honest look, which also means we need to be non-judgmental enough to allow ourselves to see the bad. Yeah. Because often the reason why we don't see the bad is not because uh, we don't like it just because we don't like it it's that we know we're gonna have to, we're gonna punish ourselves so much if we mm -hmm. see it so we don't want to say anything was bad so we so, don't even we don't even take the appraisal yeah you know we're, we're really fearful of looking at the report card when we know the grades aren't good we may never look and so it doesn't allow us the permission to update and to assess and really fine-tune the analysis you know these things were good reward yourself but these are areas in which not in a punishing shameful way no but just while recognizing that my life will be even better i'll feel better I'll be healthier, whatever it is that you need to, and, and that you're valuing mm -hmm. and you want to enhance. Yeah, you know, the non-judgmental part to me is necessary because even, you know, like every day, you know, sometimes I, when I work with couples or, you know, I talk about, you would hope that someone's desire is in the relationship, how can I be a better husband or wife to my partner? Doesn't mean you're bad, so you're not judging yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you really can't see how you could be even better, that to me means you're really not looking at all hard enough or clearly enough or openly enough to say there's no way you could have been better, meaning that you're saying you're perfect in that domain, which is not possible. So uh, actually, we, we were watching basketball last night. Sometimes I use a basketball analogy. It's like, you know, every time you shoot a free throw, if you're a good shooter, you expect to make it, but you also know that you're going to miss some. 
and then you keep going. But so you look at those. But so we strive to be good, and you can even think you're you're good and be proud of yourself. But you always can recognize you can do better. So if you can't go to sleep and think, okay, as a husband today or a wife today or as whatever you know role of your life, what did I do good and bad? If you can't find it, hopefully you have to find something good too. But if you can't find something I could have done better, to me that's a little bit odd and means you're not looking in the right way. It, it, it represents two things. When one, you can ask somebody, what, what are, for example, what are, your, what are your flaws or what would you like to work on? What would you like to improve? If, and if their answer is nothing, that to me reveals two things. One is it complete, it's a lack of self-awareness because every human being that has ever lived is flawed. Every human being that ever has died has had areas where they could have improved. Mm-hmm. So that is something that is universal and every, everybody has. It represents the lack of recognition of that, so a lack of self-awareness. The other thing that it represents is the sense that to be a good human, I must be perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is a standard that maybe implicitly is within someone. That noticing a flaw, noticing a mistake, noticing an error is fatal. And there are people that can't, you know, if they, if they make a decision and someone points out that it was an error or that it can be improved upon, they see it as an attack on them. And so they will go through all kinds of maneuvering to dance around that, to avoid being seen as making a mistake versus someone who understands as a human being, I am flawed. I will make mistakes. I will be imperfect. And that doesn't make me, that, that is by definition what a human being is. Recognition of that, I think, even in who we choose to spend our time with as friends, as business partners, as a, as a spouse, that understanding that, no, I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect wife. I have things that I want to work on. The key is not to be perfect or imperfect. It's, is that person recognizing those things in themselves that's mm-hmm. the key if you have that you have someone that you can work with i believe yeah and i mean and starting with ourselves that's the we have to have that openness you know it's like if you don't want to acknowledge that you're not imperfect right now that means you think you're a finished product you can't get any better and we should feel that if in a year i look back and don't feel like i grew at all or made any improvements that's in a way a waste of a year that we were not, by the way, that's very judgmental, I guess, but you didn't use that year very well. Um, Or if you haven't learned, I I forgot who, if it was Daniel Kahneman, it was one one of these books and I really loved the quote, but it was kind of like, if I don't look back in a year, maybe it was Ray Dalio, and like be like, I was kind of stupid about some things, then what did you do in that last year? You didn't like learn and study and grow and update your ideas. So you would hope that you actually look back, and which means right now in my this moment, I can think I'm overall good in some things, but I know that I, I can improve. I know that I, I would hope I improve by next year in, in any domain of life, every domain of life. And so the only way we can do that is by first acknowledging there has to be something that can be better than what I'm doing right now. And that's okay. doesn't mean it's I'm bad now. And as you said, sometimes our performance gets too tied into being loved, kind of in a perfectionist type of mindset that we feel like I have to make sure I'm perfect or else like no one's going to love me or want me. Yeah, it's two ways of looking at it. You know, it's one is um, being threatened when you notice something that was an imperfection or you made a mistake versus seeing it as just with an eye of curiosity and interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, that's interesting. I, I, that's why I keep making that mistake. And recognizing that should be a moment of discovery. There, there, could be, there should be joy in that. Is oh, I've recognized this pattern, and this is why this has caused me some conflict in the past. Recognizing that shouldn't be, oh, gosh, that means I'm really messed up. Mm-hmm. It, so, And I think we can even see that in the societal level. You know, society continues to evolve and progress and, hope and hopefully be more open-minded and more inclusive and more... Um, compassionate and that when we look back a hundred years ago and think wow we have we were terrible then 
that's a good sign. That means that we're improving, and hopefully we do the same thing 100 mm -hmm. years from today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. We kind of, and even looking at that now, um, how can we, you know, what might not be good about society in every level, right? Individual, even your relationship. So it's not that your relationship is bad, but how can we make our relationship better, you know, uh, together? Um, and, you know, these things are tough. We, you know, it's easy to tell someone, oh, just look at it and it's good to have flaws, but it, it's tough. It can hurt. It could sting. And you even want to pay attention to that. Sometimes in some domains of life, it's going to sting more because you might put more value of who you are based on that. So if you really value being, let's say, uh, in your profession, then you might be, you know, hard for you to hear feedback there. If you value being a parent, you might, you know, do that. And in general, you might have the mindset that I shouldn't be doing anything wrong. I need to be perfect and keep updating that. And so we kind of shifted away from specifically looking at meaning itself, but recognizing that you need to look at your life to see what you can change to go towards that. Uh, and I think after the break, maybe we can get a little bit back into the meaning conversation and looking for that, searching for that, developing and that that meaning in life. And then also something related to that that we wanted to touch on was, you know, how I want to be remembered, which relates to things like legacy and then also how we look back at history and historic figures. But how I want to be remembered, I think, is an interesting conversation, something you hear a lot, very common in interviews. They'll ask someone famous, you know, how would you like to be remembered? Um, and uh, maybe we can talk a bit about that as well. So again, my guest today, Parham Holakwi. Let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So uh, my brother Parham and I were talking about some topics related to meaning, purpose um, in life. And we had to come back to that. And so you know, it is this uh, glorified concept, too, and maybe we can talk a bit about that meaning and us maybe talking about it glorifies it further, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. But um, when we look at what gives people meaning in life, sometimes people think it has to be their job or their work. I think it could be great if it can be that or you find some meaning in that. It doesn't mean it's that your job is this most incredible thing and it has to be, you know, a cancer researcher or someone, just a few professions that are so... Uh, meaningful. You can find meaning in anything you're doing if you, um, you know, look at the perspective in that way. And even when you look at that book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, he talks about that, that it's really about the way you approach something. Even pain can seem ma meaningful if you approach it in a certain way. You know, if you say your arm is hurting, you say, well, that's not good. If I say your arm is hurting because you're protecting your child from getting hit by something, you might actually almost love that pain. Be like, I, I'm so glad that that's the pain that protected my child. So even pain can become meaningful. So it's about how we think about what we're doing as well. Um, but so people in their life, they find meaning, but I think it's also important to, in their work, I mean, but, you know, it could be through your relationships and other things as well. And relationships seems to be a big area where meaning um, comes into play and makes a, for a meaningful life for, for human beings or really any, any social being. Uh, over the break, I had a little time to think. I also realized my headphone wasn't even in. So I was wearing headphones, and all it was doing was it was a decoration on my head. No so meaning. Now, I, no, no meaning, and I, I now hear you. You're, I hear your voice more clearly, but uh, and my own voice. There's something about a microphone that makes you talk more quietly and more and with a certain voice. I've just realized that. The, okay. Right now, yeah, anyhow. But I, I think, to me, when I think of... Uh, meaning. I think it comes to, if I can sum it up in my mind, it's maybe three things. 
I would say one, it is connection with others. So those real uh, close relationships with people, whether it's family or friends, where when you're with them, you are growing with them and you're seeing them and just having that bond, having that connection, I think is one of the most meaningful things in life. I think life in some ways becomes meaningful when whatever it is that you're experiencing in your life can be shared. So that's one. Two is understanding. So for me, the moment I understand something in a new way, something that was a puzzle, a riddle I couldn't understand, and I, and I begin to get a glimpse, there's a bit of a light on what really is going on. That's a very, uh, for me, a very meaningful moment. It, it um, Sometimes it's just seeing things from a different vantage point, one you haven't seen before. So understanding is the second one. And um, the third one I'm going to come up with right now because you need three of everything is my understanding. Um, but I do think it's service. I think it's serving others, contributing in some way, which we, we led the discussion with, is being able to um, somehow see that your efforts and what you're putting into the world is benefiting someone else. I think the nourishment we get from that, from seeing that happen, is quite valuable. And I think hopefully we can get that in our careers. But I think sometimes it sets the bar really, really, really high for what a career should be. And I've seen this particularly among younger people today when they're deciding what their career should be um, because it's supposed to be something that fulfills their passion. It's their calling. It's what they've been placed on the planet Earth to be. That is a really, really high standard for a 20-year-old to find. Mm -hmm. And impossible, in fact. When, when we see people that live meaningful lives, it's really rare that you see that they had that same blueprint for what they were gonna do from when they were a little kid. That passionate life was something that was discovered. It was a journey that led them there and they could never have anticipated how they would end up where they are. And so we, we were talking about sort of being open to the surprises and the unexpectedness of life. And I think even in this, you must be, you know, it's not, a, you, you shouldn't know exactly what your calling and what your place on earth is mm -hmm. for when you're when, at any age, really, but certainly not when you're 20 years old. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, some of that is this, almost like you, it, going back to that, is it something I'm getting or giving? It's almost like they, there could be a sense I want that meaning for me, like I want it and I should have this feeling and I should get this. And it is more a, a, a work in progress and you have to work towards that. Um, and, and related to that, what you, we're talking about this like journey type of mindset, a lot of times we think because we see it in movies or we hear some stories anecdotally that, you know, your passion or your meaning is going to hit you like in this aha moment, you know. And for some people it does, but for most people when they talk about finding their passion, it wasn't like this one aha moment. It was much more of this journey of doing things, trying different things, doing something they really liked and realize actually there's this one offshoot of it that they like, or actually see, doing something they like and realize there's a way they do this that's not good. And I like this thing so much, I want to help it change. And so then they change it. And so they couldn't have predicted what it would look like. And so that's why I think it goes back to the values guiding you rather than the aha inspirational moment that changes your life forever. They happen, but they're much more rare. Just like in therapy, people think that it's going to be, okay, we find out it's because you're you know, the mom did this or the father did that or this happened in your life and then everything's going to change. But change in therapy is, is very slow. And I think that also relates to this issue of the meaningful things in life are kind of slower burns. They take time. You create something. You do something meaningful. You invest in relationships, which means it's just moment to moment focusing on something. But it's not these big, exciting, you know, 
flash in the pan kinds of moments that people might be looking for. And I think, unfortunately, it's a tendency we have as beings to just want an easy way out. But with social media and other things, what you see online, it gives people this idea that it's going to be that. And I think it's unfortunate because I think people are looking for the wrong things. And often they actually find the fake things that burn out quick and doesn't last and doesn't give them actual meaning. And then they look for the new next meaning for themselves rather than recognizing the journey they, they, they'd be better off finding for themselves. Yeah, I mean, to me, um, a good life is not a, uh, a moment mm-hmm. and then a happily ever after. It's this sort of this baseline level of peace of mind and contentedness. That's what we're after. It's much less exciting and it's much harder to encapsulate that in a movie or in a story. You know, we, we, um, Human beings like to uh, receive information in the form of stories. And it's the same reason why you'll never see a, a movie where someone is just working on themselves. You know, there's always going to be this a bit of a struggle and then a moment where something is overcome, whether he found the love of his life or he found or she found the career that she's been after. And it happens in an instant. And so because that makes for a good movie, it makes for a good story. It sometimes is kind of implanted into our minds that our lives should be that way as well. And life just isn't. It's a journey. You know, you do see people that live very passionate, fulfilled lives. But it's rare that they say any of that happened in an instant. It was a journey. and mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a slow progression to get to that point. And oh, by the way, the best part was the journey. Mm-hmm. The best part was the progression. The best part was the struggle. So don't say that, oh, but when I, you know, this is again about reaching a particular destination or yardstick and think, okay, when I get that, when I get that amount of money, then I'm happy. When I find that spouse, then I'm happy. The happiness comes from the person you become as you're pursuing those things. So that hopefully, I think it's almost like a, a trick that's played on ourselves. We overweight what it will mean when we reach $1 billion or reach that type of CEO or status. Or What really matters is who we become as we go on that journey. If you talk to people actually that achieve those huge milestones, what you see and what you hear from them is that, no, 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 this, this was interesting for a moment and then it became stale overnight when I had that amount of money or I reached that status or that fame. What really was meaningful is who I became in the pursuit of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what was driving me if it was for the right reasons. You know, you feel like you're doing the right thing. And now you're not guaranteed a result. And I think that's the thing about, as you're saying, it's meaning is in what you're doing, not necessarily what's going to come of it. It can, but we don't have a guarantee. But if you know what's driving me is living a, a kind, compassionate life where I'm helping others, I'm working on bettering myself and bettering the people around me, the exact results that are going to come of that are less important than the process, as you're saying, the journey and how that's going to make you feel. And then, yeah, you, of course, you might get happy. You say, oh, this happened. We, you know, we helped these people or this project turned out this way. It's going to feel good. But then it's not going to be over because you actually are driven by the values, not by the destinations. We sometimes need goals that can drive us in a way that keeps us going. Um, but overall, the guiding force is going to be those values. And, and you mentioned about like, you know, this fleeting kind of feeling. And I, this is where I mentioned at the top of the show, I think there's a distinction now, again, depends on d- definitions of happiness, which I mean, like a momentary feeling of happiness. And what I think is more something like contentment, and sometimes people use the definition of contentment for happiness. So you have to always look at how people are describing it, especially in research, things like that. But contentment is this overall satisfaction and good feeling about your life in a more broader sense, not just in the moment. So you might feel you know, happy. And to me, actually a content life will have lots of very unhappy moments in it because when you 
connect with people, when you connect with life directly, you're going to have to face the ups and downs if you actually want to connect with the world and connect with other people. If you make your goal, which I think many people have, is just to feel good, happiness, and that's what, you know, you see a lot of pop psychology might promote that, it leads to very empty feelings of, okay, maybe you're happy for this moment, but now the next thing. It is like chasing a high, whereas a contentment, which means I'm happy with how I've lived my life, I'm happy with what I've tried to create in my life, that sense that we want to strive towards, to me, is something something much more meaningful. And that longer lasting aspect of it, it is a slow burn and a slow grind to get there. But that's going to lead to, in my opinion, a much more meaningful life and what we should strive towards. It's not happiness per se in the way we think about it, which looks like the ideal, but a real contentment. And then also with that is a sense of fulfillment of your about your life. Yeah, and there's research that supports what you said that I thought was interesting, where uh, people that believed that their primary goal in life, chief among them, was to be happy. Happy almost in the sense that you were suggesting, such as like pleasure. So pain and struggle and fight is is to be sort of tried to, you want to avoid that as much as possible. Those people ended up actually being far less happy. So people that prioritize happiness as the guiding principle or value of their life tend to be less happy. And I think the reason that they were rationalizing for why that must might be is that when pain hits, when a struggle or a challenge hits, it hits doubly hard for someone who has that perspective that life should be happy. On the one hand, it's the pain and the struggle facing them. Two, it's they're not fulfilling what their life should be. So they're, they're failing at life when they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Versus someone who sees struggle, challenge, stress, responsibility, disappointment. These are all on the pathway to a meaningful life. These are all, they expect them, oh, here's the struggle that I knew was going to come. Mm-hmm. Here is that challenge that they said is on the journey to becoming something. So that's a very different perspective that one will have than someone who says life is supposed to be joyful and happy. And mm-hmm. the moment a struggle hits, they will either deny it, avoid it. They certainly won't confront it with eyes wide open and with the sense that this challenge is actually to be relished. You know, life is never going to be free of challenges. It's about choosing the right challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and a good life, you can somehow try to find a life that doesn't have challenges. It won't be a a meaningful life and a good life. And this also brings up the aspect of expectations of, of reality and expectations of what things will be like. So yeah, people, you know, we think of relationships, romantic relationships, there's sometimes this mindset of it's this fairy tale and it's magical and shouldn't they make me feel good all the time and make me happy and complete me and all this stuff. And it is very meaningful and very beautiful. But if we go into it with this mindset that they, I shouldn't be frustrated in the relationship, right? If it was my soulmate meant to be I, I shouldn't be upset or they shouldn't make me feel bad about stuff if they you know if that that's going on um then you're going to be disappointed and then you think this is the wrong thing it's the bad thing so we do have to recognize if there's not realism then even like with your work you might say no if it's a meaningful and passion or every day why am i in this meeting that i don't like it's a bad job it's like whatever job you find or whatever career you have there's gonna be parts of it that you don't like even if it's the the most meaningful perfect job for you you're not going to like parts of it so yeah there is a important element of recognizing the expectations i think that's also something i'm seeing with pop psychology and sometimes you know people online and different things that you'll see is like this idea that you can live a life where every moment is good and every moment's beautiful and i never get sad and i never feel bad and that's you know it's not realistic it's not real it's not meaningful it's all these really bad things and then you know going back to what you're saying people feel like oh i'm like a failure because i i don't feel like this guy or this girl does who's happy all the time what's wrong with me when it's like that's not even possible and it's not realistic and they're not even feeling that way but i think it's unfortunate this way that we're pushing 
people, you know, this kind of toxic positivity, sometimes you'll call Mm -hmm. it, or different things where people think that life, why should it ever feel bad? Why should I ever feel bad? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's not realizing the reality of things and what makes things good. If you never feel bad with your partner, you're doing something wrong. You guys are not handling the relationship right at all because genuine closeness is brought through having the open conversations that don't feel good in the moment. It's easier to just say, hey, pretend like it's not there and let's just laugh about mm-hmm. something rather than saying, you know what, I want to talk to you about something. You know, those dreaded words, we need to talk. I, did, I, I really need to talk to you about something. Let's do it, absolutely, I'm, anytime. And I think that's <laughs> the way. Maybe not on the air. Maybe not on the air, but it's that's how you're going to get <laughs> close with someone. If you don't <laughs> do that, you're absolutely. never, never going to get close. So I think, you know, you mentioned something about like the expectations and if we have these unrealistic and unhealthy even expectations it's going to lead obviously to unhealthy outcomes yeah and I I think what a lot of that pop psychology and a lot of the things that are out there more I think are are addressing you know whatever I think our dreams the things we seek are often less about what will make us happy in reality it's more about what's lacking in our lives now so when we're feeling burdened financial burden or emotional pain what we seek out is someone who is uh, a life that's free of those things. And so they often will present, I've seen many people um, who are uh, self, self-improvement self types who will come and say, my life is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, have, I have all the money that I want. My, my life is free of burdens. I have nothing but love in these things. And they paint a picture of a life that's free of struggle and free of challenge. And that is impossible. It is completely unrealistic. But for the person who's in struggle, that's exactly the most alluring thing. It's much less appealing to say to them, hey, you know the struggles you have now? We're going to trade them for different struggles, better struggles. You're going to be much happier. It'll be more aligned with who you are, but there'll still be struggles. Mm-hmm. There'll still be stress. There'll still be pain. They'll just, we're going to upgrade your pain, basically. Yeah. And that's, that truly is what we should be after, though. Upgrading the struggles and the challenges in our lives. That should be our journey, and that's a huge step that's a fulfilling life yeah and you know it's you need to have those um those struggles and people that say you know do you want a life that has no struggles and i even see this when people talk about relationships like relationship coaching and things or not that i'm saying relationship coaching is bad but some ways they talk online let's say post videos where it's like do you want to get the your partner to do what you want mm-hmm. you know do you want to and it, it's understandable that as again living beings organisms we want to have control over things reduce anxiety get what we want in the moment that's what drives us in a way in some if we don't actually go to a higher place we're going to be driven by those moment to moment drives all the time and i always think like i don't want for me or for a loved one to be in a relationship where their partner does what they want all the time that's like an abusive relationship and what controlling domestically violent relationships turn into is about this control thing but we sometimes think what we should want in life is to get everything out when i want it all the time and that's not even good for us healthy realistic but it's not a good thing if you tell me yeah my partner does everything i want every time i want them to i'm like Oof, that sounds really really bad unless you mean in a they're very open to hearing my desires and needs and we meet each other's needs that's good but not in this kind of control which i think people make the goal is that i should just have control over my life and what i want and, and that's not even healthy and as you said what we have to realize is what are the struggles we're choosing they're going to be there so it's not look for the struggle free life but look for the meaningful struggles of life that lead to something good i think you brought up a really good point there let's go to a, a commercial break again here with parham Holakwi. we'll be right back back so again my brother Parham and I were been talking about the, the meaning of life and of course there's so many places to go but some maybe take-homes things like um, that you have to 
pause and think about it and, and, and really focus on a value-driven and purposeful life that is very important. Uh, and the things that tend to give us meaning, things like relationships is a very big one. Any of these long-term studies of happiness, which also I think are often looking at contentment, feeling good about your life, show that relationships, the quality of your relationships are very important. So we want to make sure we, we focus on those. And then also contributing, giving something to the world. We can have a tendency as living beings to, to want to get and take and what can I get but we see that really tends to make people feel content is what they gave to the world and so how can you contribute to others and make the world a better place and whatever is meaningful to you and that's nothing it's not that everyone should focus on this problem or that one you focus on what what makes sense and is meaningful to you I thought we can change not completely change gears but it relates to this meaningful life in the sense of people saying how they want to be remembered or their legacy and so i have some thoughts i've talked about on the show recently but i don't know what are some of your thoughts to get this conversation started on this topic of people with legacy and of course this even relates to history and how we remember historical figures and people in the past and how we treat heroes and celebrities and all the people in the present as well but looking at each individual um what do you think about this concept of people you know they'll ask them how do you want to be remembered what, what do you think about that? Well, I just hope they remember us through the commercial breaks and come back yeah. for now. Yeah. That's, that's all the memory that, that I need. That itself is a gift. Thank you for coming back, those of you who are back. Uh, no, I, I think, I wonder if, um, when I think of how we should be remembered, it takes me to who we remember today. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, who, do we, who do we pay attention to? Who do we glorify? What are the names that uh, last and are enduring throughout history? I think that represents a lot about not just our history, it represents what we value today. Mm-hmm. It represents what it is that we are giving importance to for today's society. Of course, when we remember the past, we are, we are getting a, a, a story of what brought us here, the history that brought us here, and I think that has value. Uh, and that includes the good, the bad, the people that are villains. We remember people that we, we despise because they were part of that story. But in, in who we... Um, who we remember and, and look up to and are inspired by. I think that's really important. And I think, you know, even discovering ourselves, it's not just a process of looking within ourselves and sitting in a room all day. It's about, we discover ourselves through others and through looking out and through art and through literature. We are, the way we find who we are is through experiencing the world around us. You know, a small child, a small boy, will look at his father, will look at other male figures to determine what is a man? What, what does a man become? And I think we do the same thing as we grow become adults. In, in, that's why we should read literature. That's why we should read poets and philosophers. And that's, I think, part of what an education is for. An education is in part, it's not about just finding the world out there. It's looking out into the world to find who you are. Who you are is, is found. And the more that you can draw from, the more um, great figures, great minds that you can draw from and understand their lives, their stories, their contributions, I think the more the more richer your version of yourself that you discover can be. Yeah, I think the the part that I can find issue with to a degree is when we say great figures, mm-hmm. is the way we kind of make people these heroes that they're all good mm-hmm. when it's we're admiring something about them, whether it's an action or some way of thinking or something like that and i think we make people all good and it leads to this and i don't want to get into this kind of debate of 
things we actually talked about a bit last night, but about how we look at historical figures. I think the problem is that we try to make them all good because that's how we praise them, that they're these, you know, gods in a way sometimes. And then so if we find bad things about them, it creates these things like, well, we can't make them gods, but maybe we should have never made them gods in the first place. We mm-hmm. should have said, oh, I admire that this person did this. That's wonderful. Not the great so-and-so who was at this. That's mythologizing them. That's not accurate. That's not real. But I think that's how we've done it. And so then it creates these issues when we're like, well, if we find out this person did something bad or the history shows them a little differently, how do we do that? And it can be hard to reconcile that's like, no, he or she, usually he in most of history we've had, was is a god. So no, they didn't do something bad or we have to completely tear them down and, and it gets very complicated. So I think that itself is a whole uh, issue of how we've looked at people, which is also how we look at people now. So maybe I will add this part. I think there is we should be aware of it. We can't just control how people think and feel, but as a society evolving, I think, the movement towards not creating gods out of people, which we still do with celebrities, uh, mostly with celebrities, mainly even with athletes. We were watching sports last night. Different things that we do, we put people too much. We, we create these hierarchies and distinctions that they're better than everyone else. And I think that's actually very unhealthy. We could admire, wow, this person's very good at basketball and I enjoy them, but they should now be elevated to some status where they get certain rights or privileges that no one else does, or they can treat other people worse because, hey, it's so-and-so. People even say that, well, it's so-and-so, so so I have no right to question what they're doing. Um, I think that's very unhealthy. And so when we have a more balanced way of looking, oh, I really admire, oh, that's a beautiful song you made, not, oh my gosh, you made that song, so now we have to make you this and people treat you this way. I don't think that's elevated. Mm -hmm. And actually, when we do that, then we're just enjoying them for what they do that we're appreciating and not as you are this whole this god or goddess now that we're going to praise in such a way and treat in such a way which also leads people to want to become those people for the wrong reasons i don't Mm want to be a singer because i want to share a beautiful gift that might actually help people feel better connect people move people all that i want to be a singer because i want to be rich and famous and get all the things that that come with it so it's actually driving the wrong values even in the people that go into different fields or different positions because of that. So I think the dehumanizing we do, we usually talk about the lowering people, which is of course horrible and horrendous, but there's also a way we dehumanize by making people into gods that I think is very unhealthy, even for those individuals, but for society as a whole. I completely agree. So uh, I think what's important is as as a fundamental foundational principle, human beings are fallible, Human beings will inspire us in certain areas, in their art, in their uh, athletic prowess, in their ability to think, in so many areas, but they have flaws. They are all fallible and they should never be elevated above, above, what, a human being, um, above, above what a human being naturally is, which is a flawed, imperfect person. What I think causes trouble, I think the reason that this ends up happening is that the smaller and more insecure we feel the more we like to make someone a big mm-hmm. hero. You know, you see little kids, they always have superheroes. They have people that they look up to that are bigger and stronger because they are small and they're still figuring out their way in the world and they feel disempowered in some ways. And so we do that as a society too. I think adults are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. We, we seek out people that seem bigger, bigger than life. And that gives us in some small way, some sense of security. We make people bigger. And I think we need to be, I think a bit more enlightened and recognize that this person whatever their strengths are I can be inspired I can learn from it um, I can try to emulate what they are but I don't see them as a perfect person I see them as as 
inspiring in this realm. Right. Even and not emulate them as they are that part that, you know, that aspect of them. Even like I'll see things like Albert Einstein and then people say, well, what did he say about love or something? And and it could be something insightful there. But what he's he did that was a great contribution was scientific thinking but then people take this to an extreme of the whole person just like well, what did Einstein eat for breakfast maybe that's mm-hmm. gonna no that wasn't what made him what he did now eggs and bake eggs and okay no, great yeah so it's like people look at these things or how does yeah. so-and-so live their day there could be something I'm not saying we shouldn't look at any of it but I think people again because they do this wholesale well if so-and-so is this hero this amazing person everything about them is great or even oh you know uh, they're lucky to have this person as a mother because the mother was like a famous whatever this we I don't know if they were a good mother or not I, that's why I tell people not just about celebrities but in general people say oh why did they break up he was lucky to be with her she was lucky to be with him you never know what it's like to be in a relationship with someone or to experience someone in that way so you can say they look attractive to me but I don't know what it's like to then judge this person that they must have been ungrateful or stupid to end the relationship. I, I don't know. And so similarly with these people would we admire, we try to say they're all good. Oh, I want to be that person. And we don't know what they were like in all those ways. You can say I admire this and you're actually creating something in your head and you might realize it's not about them. It's that here's these characteristics I'd like to aspire to. But to say it's them that is that probably is that you're creating and conflating a bunch of things that aren't actually there to make this story that, as you're saying, feels good to us, mm-hmm. but is not necessarily based in reality. It's just an alternate reality we're creating in our head. I don't know what kind of a, you know, uh, person Einstein was. Like, there might be some things about him, actually, that you can see what he was like, but as I want to admire, be like Einstein, to me is off. I can say I want to model his intellectual curiosity and his way of thinking differently. I think those are attributes, at least from what I can see of him, are admirable. But when we put people in a dehumanized God level, I think it's harming us in multiple ways. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, there's examples of this. You see it, for example, among um, people who are tech entrepreneurs. Often they want to emulate Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a visionary. He was one of the most important figures in all of uh, technology and what he was able to achieve. But he was a very... uh, he was known to be very rude and very controlling and, and just mean to people, mean to his employees, and had some issues in his personal life. Now, we're not going to relitigate what he did or didn't do. But people will emulate those aspects of who he is. Oh, to be a Steve Jobs, that means I need to be rude and, and cruel and, and, and indiscriminately fire someone just because they said some small, small thing. That's what Steve Jobs did. There are stories of him doing that, and people will emulate those things. Those are not the things that made Steve Jobs who he is. So that's why I think the, the, the way we are inspired and look up to people does need to be much more fine-tuned. Mm-hmm. We need to fine-tune that to say there are things about this man that were remarkable, remarkable. Follow those things. But the totality of every single thing that this person did, and the example you say about like what did they have for breakfast, I mean, quite literally people think that because someone was so magnificent in this particular area that there's... There's something to that. There's something to the smaller things, often not. They were magnificent in that area. And this notion that we can then become that or should try to seek to emulate and follow that, that's also, a, I think, a foolish thing to do. You know, we, we should draw from all of humanity and all the things that inspire and, and, and make us sort of feel that there's something to follow or something that we can learn from. But ultimately, we have to find ourselves. Mm-hmm. Who are we? You know, we, we begin with this person we want to emulate. As little kids, we'll even dress up. Superman or as our favorite athlete or those things but over time 
over time, those things just become little tokens, little things that we can add to our library mm -hmm. of things we get inspired by and have learned from. But ultimately, all of that should form the only thing that's going to make us truly feel fulfilled and make our contribution to the world is if we find out who we are, authentically what we are. And that, that will never come through following someone else. And, and here's the thing about following someone, someone else. else is that what we realize is we're not following an actual person because it's this mythologized view. Now you're saying, I want to become something not real, essentially. So, of course, it's going to not help you because it's that I want to be this myth. No, you can't be a myth. You have to be a human being. And that's why I think it's not good that we mythologize these people and make them these things because that's not what they actually were. And then we think we have to become that or try to become that. And it's not good for us to try to become something that's not realistic. It's not even there to begin with. And so if we realize I admire this about them, like you said, we, we notice different things. It's good to be inspired by people. Of course, that's very good. Like, wow, look what that person did there. But that's it. I'm not going to say because they did that. Now, I also think however they are in their relationships is good and whatever their political views are, I have to agree with. No, I just like this part of them. Yeah. then that's how we should view people. So throughout history, I think, and now when we're, we, we look at people, we should look at that aspect of just the things they did and recognize that, and but then not make them gods out of it. Just it's admirable, but that's it. But we don't need to create gods anymore. Even like as you were saying, as children, and we definitely do it as adults, I kind of see it as society as children, you know, as society evolves and grows and matures. I would hope that we move away from that of mythologizing people and making them gods because we need it because we advance a bit more and see that, you know, there isn't these huge distinctions. There are things that people do that are remarkable. I'm not saying everything everyone's doing is the same, but people are essentially not that different that we put them in these pedestals and then put these people down and put this. And we see throughout human history, that's what we've done is elevate and denigrate different people, individuals and groups. And that's not healthy. So I think as we evolve and mature, will move more away from this making people gods and goddesses and letting people all be people, which means we can all learn and be inspired by each other, but no one is that much better or that much worse than anyone else. I, I agree that I think that the smaller and more insecure an individual is or a society is as well, the more we, the, the bigger our heroes must be. Mm -hmm. The bigger we, we look up to, oh, the, that man or that, you know, who, who led our country or who led our people, we make them gods. And I think the smaller we are, the bigger that they, they need to be. I think the more enlightened view is to see that this is a part of our history. You know, another mm -hmm. piece of this, the reason why I think we really glorify or deify human beings when we look back is because it makes the story easier to tell. You know, to say that this scientific discovery, if you look at the actual history of science, it's rarely about the figures that get all of the credit. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a team of people. It's a progression of things. It's who they were able to build their science upon. But one person gets the credit because mm -hmm. it's much simpler to tell that story to say Edison did this versus to say, well, it's much more complicated. There were many people involved in this. That's a much uh, a less tidy story to be told. And so we do that, but we should be cognizant of that. Mm -hmm. We're doing that for the convenience of telling a more interesting, yeah. compelling yeah. story. And we talked about this last night. I was saying how I actually like that when we look at the vaccine for COVID, there isn't you know, a person that Sarah so-and-so right. created the vaccine or Joe, this person is the vaccine, you know, uh, as a lot of other scientific discoveries have been. And, and maybe science has also evolved in the community of science and things, but still it's usually more complicated when you go back in time to say this person developed and discovered this alone. You know, I think it's that Newton quote that if I've looked further, it's because I stood on the shoulder of giants. Um, you know, but in, I like that the, the vaccine doesn't have just it's one person. It's it's a community. It's based on science and, and, you know, people's discoveries and even discoveries that were done maybe 50 years ago contributed to this discovery. I think that's more real. As you said, I think it's easier to tell the story, say this person made this, this person did that. 
But the reality of life is that it's less like that. Things are done interdependently. Not one person independently does almost anything that's meaningful and good. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. And actually, I do think it's the evolution of society is that it's going to become more that way, that we recognize the collective action that's there more than just individuals have changed everything. Um, I, I think it causes lots of, of negative things. And we might be, maybe we can touch upon that after the next commercial break. So again, joined here by my brother Parham. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, joined again by Parham here. We're talking about different topics, like the meaning of life. And so Parham, how do you want to be remembered? I'm actually kidding. I don't like that question. I think it's a, a strange one and it is brought up a lot. How do you want to be remembered? Now, I'll give you a detailed list of okay. all of the things, sure. just like I gave you for your introduction to me. Yeah. Line by line. Okay, looking forward to it. So, to me, part of why this question even comes up, first of all, there is this way that we glorify heroes, so people want to be one of those. That looks great, right? Don't I want to be so-and-so that there's statues and holidays and different things commemorating them and celebrating them and everyone looks up to them? Of course I want to be that. Um, I also think it's related to our sense of self, and so we have this way of biologically want to propagate our genes, send them to the future generations and for them to keep going. But there's a sense of wanting my sense of self in a similar way to continue, to not end, right? So I want it to keep going in a way. But when I think of should we want that even to be remembered for, you know, in that way, I don't know if it really makes sense. First of all, now it could get into what you think of afterlife and if you're after you're dead, can you can communicate with this world or see what's happening in this world? But what difference would it make to me if in 500 years they're talking to me? Now, right now I can say it sounds like it feels good to me if that happens. But in reality, if I think I'm no longer here, the way people talk about me, should I put a lot of emphasis on that? And I don't think I should. What's what's the difference there? To me, what I would hopefully focus on is leaving an impact that continues. I might not even get credit for it, be recognized for it, or it might trickle down in ways that there would be no way to trace it to me. But it's going back to lead, leading that and living that meaningful, purposeful, value-driven life that if I think some things are good and important, I should focus on doing those things, making those positive changes in the world not on will they remember that I did it in 500 years? Because to me, that has no meaning, no real significance, and should not be driving me. Now, if you do good things, they might remember you, but the intention should be do the good things now. They remember you or not should be secondary or almost we would, shouldn't even focus on that. Well, I will just say I, the more we focus on the self, the less happy mm-hmm, we are. Mm-hmm. I, that just, in my own personal life and in people that I've experienced, the more their attention and their focus and what's motivating them is them who they are and how they'll be remembered, how they'll be seen. When that's the focus and when that's drawing most of your attention, uh, that tends to be a recipe for a far less meaningful life, a less happy life, and making whatever it is that we prioritize in life, you're going to stray further from that the more you're focused inwards on the self. I think even, even in the momentary things, you know, when I'm having a conversation with you right now, if I'm focused inward, those are the moments where I think it's it's least enjoyable, and mm-hmm. I think I'm contributing least. But when I'm focused squarely on you, 
and on the discussion and how fruitful this is and where we might be going. And I'm just curious about what the next discussion will lead to. Mm -hmm. That's when it's moving in the right direction. The moment I'm focusing on how will this be remembered, even this show, we stray from what we need to be doing right now in the moment together. Yeah, you're giving less, right? There's less of you to give if some of it's consumed by that thought or that thinking. And so, of course, yeah, as you mentioned, it relates to being in the moment, being present, because there's more of our faculties, what we are is there rather than it's focused on something else. And so, yeah, that's why I think when people get focused on that, even, you know, I mentioned the vaccine, if people were so focused on, am I going to get credit for this? Is it going to be my name? They maybe would do things like subtly sabotage their, you know, coworkers or colleagues that might make it, the, the, the good thing is we're creating this to save lives, it might interfere with that. And that's what I mean is I also think because one, how we glorify individuals, it makes people want to strive for that because it seems so great. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to be the guy or the girl who's like associated with this and celebrated throughout history um, uh, for this? But then individually, when I make that my focus, then because of that, it's going to shift the way I do things. If I'm like, well, I want to do this thing, but would I get credit for it? No, it's it's going to be, oh, there's no media around it or it's in the dark, so I, I'm not going to do it until it's seen more. I'm taking away from what I contribute to the world, which that's what I'm saying. It should be the driver. Everyone, look, no, I can't deny that too. If someone said, you're going to become known for this or people will, like that, it feels good. There's a feeling that I could recognize is there. And as I always say, listen to the feeling, but it doesn't mean let that feeling guide it. I might recognize that feeling's there and I can get it. But I don't want that feeling to guide how I live my life because I think it's kind of a more immature or doesn't really have value. I can get where it's coming from. It makes sense. But it makes sense more for me that I would want to live my life in a way that the values are what's guiding, which means that doing the right thing, whether or not it's remembered or not focusing so much on how it's remembered as much as the impact. Leave a legacy with impact, not by your name. Yeah, I think I, I agree with all of that. And I, I just think it's we're at our best when we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. We really need to be a bit lighter about ourselves. The, the stakes are really high. I think we, we, today in society, we've set something, a society up, particularly in the United States, where everyone has these ambitions to be really noticed and noticeable and making this dramatic, huge, powerful impact. It's almost like it's facilitating, cultivating narcissism. Mm -hmm. and. It is impossible for a society, let's just focus on the United States, of 330 million people, for us to have 330 million stars. But anyone short of a star feels like that they're not enough. Even movie stars are looking up and saying, oh, but that person has more. If I would, then I'll be happy. Once I reach that person's status, then I will be. If the people at that caliber are still feeling like there's something that they need to be that they're not, that even they are feeling less than, I think we've set up a society that's, that's really a struggle. We're taking ourselves far too seriously make an impact do the things that you love help the people that that matter to you serve the people that matter to you but we got to lower the stakes i think even what i see this in students uh undergraduate students who are who are come to me for, for career advice and they are expecting to find something that is nearly impossible in their uh spouse or boyfriend girlfriend in their career what their life should be their they're just setting themselves up for disappointment. There is no way that that set of expectations is going to lead to a good life because you're constantly going to be disappointed with the person that your friends are, with the person you're in a relationship with, with what your job is, and what you are every day. And so I, I just wish we could be a bit easier on ourselves, even when we're talking about these big questions of, of meaning, is to come down to this idea and this notion that meaning will... You know, people that are seeking meaning and asking that question too often are probably having a less meaningful life. 
meaning will find you. Do the things that matter to you. Do the things that give you a sense of purpose. Do the things that you're passionate about and that align with who your what your strengths are, where you feel alive, where you thrive. Meaning will come to you. Don't don't go seeking it out and saying where will I find the meaning? Because with that, it's like trying to catch a butterfly. You won't you won't it won't get there. You won't be able to catch it that way. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a butterfly cat. Butterflies can, can. yeah, yeah. People they do that. But nonetheless, um, yeah. If you're searching for it, I have to find it. Um, you know, it, it, I think it does it does uh, kind of derail us or it kind of. Again, it's like you said about happiness, same kind of a thing. Um, but this, how will I be? How will I be remembered? Is is you mm. know what I think is something to recognize. Again, you you have a desire for it. You want that. Everyone's going to want that. But when we see where it's coming from, I think it does relate to this sense of self, this desire to be remembered. Why should that drive you at all? Is something you just wonder. Again, if you're doing something good and they remember you, that makes sense. But it, it's almost the same thing. Do I want to be remembered, or I do, do I want to do good things? And the byproduct might be that I'm remembered in that way that should be the driving force but usually people are thinking of will they celebrate me mm-hmm. in in some future time um again the desire the, un- the feeling is understandable but i think we always have to look at well what's driving anything that i'm doing do i want to be a good parent and people see that i'm such a good parent or do i want my child to feel good about it the first one exactly right and that's how people are living life <laughs> even with social media this desire of yeah. i want people to see me and think oh what a great dad or what a great husband or wife relationship goals you know unfortunately we're being driven even in this being remembered in the moment in a certain way but going down further and so that goes back to the intention what is the intention is it to if you talk about being a good parent the way we measure that is not if other people say oh my gosh what a great mom or dad or look at that is how does your child feel in relation to you that's the that's the defining characteristic which might not get any attention no one will know except for your child and experience and if we realize what is supposed to drive your parenting that's that's it there was a moment that was very telling it was this animated short movie i think that we were watching together not long ago where there was just this one moment that really stood out for me where the father was with with his child and the child was acting in a certain way that everybody was being um, somehow disrupted by it and the expectation of everybody around all the adults was that he would would act a certain way towards the child and he had to choose between doing what would be acceptable to the masses all of the other adults that would be judging him or doing what was right for his child mm-hmm. and he chose to do what was right for his child it, despite that that's the test because that's where it becomes sometimes those two things are aligned being a good parent and being a good parent in the eyes of others they're aligned sometimes they're not often they're not and in those moments what do you choose to do and i think that's the guiding principle that we should have is what's the purpose behind what what i'm doing here and i think it's it's when we feel small purposeless and things feel less meaningful that we seek that meaning in the eyes of others mm-hmm. yeah we want people to tell us what we're doing is so good or be seen as good rather than doing what's right which might not get the response that you're looking for because it oftentimes doesn't seem that way like you're saying they might have an expectation treat your kid this way or, or do this or do that the values are what's mattering if we always focus on others now of course we could learn from others we've talked about this before even today you might get inspired by others so it's not that you only are looking inward but we have to look at anything that we're doing the result of it or what should be driving it is something necessarily different than how it's going to be remembered or seen and that's what i mean is that i think people can get so focused on well, how will it be remembered that they're like oh well I'm doing this, I think this will be right, but if people come back and look at it, they won't realize why I did it and they might remember it some way. And I don't think that 
should be in any way driving what you do is that well when they come back to our lab they don't realize that i did this test unless i start it tomorrow morning when the camera is here to see that i did it so i'm going to wait till tomorrow well you're just focusing on being remembered rather than you would hope what's driving you is to do the work to bring the progress about which you would want to do as soon as you can and that's my big concern is that people get more focused both on of course being seen in the moment, which we're seeing, as I mentioned, with social media and all these things. But then also when they think of even being remembered, which is even kind of this more distant, crazy kind of a thing. And at least you can say the attention you get now, you might experience it. But it's kind of funny to say in 500 years, what they think of me is like, you know, going to impact what I do or don't do. Mm -hmm. Again, if you want to do good things and that might get remembered, yes. But if you want to be remembered and that's why you do certain things, that to me is absolutely the, the, the wrong uh, approach on that. Let's go into our last commercial break. Again, joined by my brother Parham. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So here with my brother Parham, and we've been talking about um, meaning, finding meaning in life. And so it is this kind of grand type of thing that we can talk about. And I think that is important. That, and as we said, being driven by values, being driven by purpose, taking time to to look at your life to not let just life happen to you but to live a purposeful life that you have chosen to choose the values that will guide you choose the things you want to have there and i think we wanted to wrap things up going from that macro kind of big level kind of going more micro and recognize that meaning is made in moments or meaning is made when we have a mindful mindset and anything that starts with m i guess right now is coming to mind but meaning is something that you're making those moments or how you approach day to day it doesn't have to be oh there's meaning in life today because some huge grand thing happened mm -hmm. it can be in a any kind of small interaction or experience you're having we can constantly and consistently be finding those meanings and things but we have to focus on the the moment to moment or we miss those moments of i don't want to say magic in something that's mystical or mythical but that those experiences can be very meaningful if we allow ourselves to experience them Fadi, before i begin we're only using words with the letter m okay that begin is that right that's i just fine. want to yeah. confirm before i i think this is a really important point you know we talk about meaning in this grand sense and i think meaning is is um it's something that it happens in the smallest things or it should be in the smallest things i think it's about um, you know, when you, I, I think one thread that I see that is cuts across great philosophers, great thinkers, great artists is not that they see more things, that they see more in the simple things. They'll see the same simple thing that we see and they see the, the, some depth that we don't notice. And I think that's in life too, even in relationships. You know, you could be with a friend, you could be, I think back again to last night with uh, our friend Sina with his son. The way that he was immersed in, in his boy was beautiful. And it was such a simple interaction. And so I think meaning is found in taking the smallest things and finding meaning in that. That's what meaning is about. It's not about having a statue of you or how you're remembered in 200 years. It's about finding it even, and I will say it, it shouldn't necessarily be in some grand thing. This conversation right now with you was a very meaningful conversation for me. And, and, I, and I was trying to just as much as possible forget about the external circumstances and the microphone for i mean all the other things in the studio and just focus on you and the things that you're saying and um I, I hope to do even better at that the next time but i think that's what it is i think that's meaning meaning is found in finding depth 
in the simple things that we do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, meaning is found in, in that that mindset is that you're looking and experiencing the world with that that outlook. Um, I, I guess I use words that don't start with M also, mm -hmm. but you know, many okay. mothers masquerade making memories. Stuff. Nicely done. Yeah. That was pretty but so, poetic. <laughs> so, but you know, what we, we experience, as you said, is it's, it's there in front of us a lot more, that meaning. And I think this is actually one of the complexities or challenges of life is that having the macro and the micro both. So it, this is something I talk with parents, you know, you mentioned, let's say, or Francina, but anyone who's a parent, that you have to be in the moment with your child, of course, for your own enjoyment, but even in the sense of like helping them. So they, they come with to you with a feeling or an experience, and you're in the moment with them that you, oh, that made you sad, that made you upset, you empathize, you share. But as a parent, you also want to make sure you have that macro level. Mm -hmm. So you don't get too tied mm -hmm. up in this moment of, oh, my kid is sad, or some friends, you know, made fun of him, or he did something aggressive. So he's going to turn into this, you know, you have to be able to macro that, okay, this moment is here, but it doesn't mean it's like everything and forever. So, and even just in our own experience, we are in touch with our feelings, but we know our feeling won't last forever. So there is this going back and forth with a lot of different things. And I think meaning is similar in that sense that you want to um, be driven by these values and purposes and, and, and look for that overall meaning that to be in your life. But really to enjoy that, you have to be in the moment and find the meaning in the moments as well. Absolutely. You know, I think we were talking about this too. Sometimes we try to take things from the moment as well, right? We, mm -hmm. we, uh, part of that is taking pictures or taking a video to capture what this is. And I think most of the time, or even a joke, there was a joke and oh, let's re repeat. Remember that moment? Let's, you had to be there. You know, you go and try, you try to receipt and recreate that thing. And it tends to not live up to what it was in the moment because of certain things that allowed you to, in that moment, get lost in what was happening. And that's difficult. The moment you're recreating something, by definition, you're sort of taking yourself out of the moment. You're trying to take and pull from a different moment and take from it and bring it into today. And I think, again, it is an interesting paradox because we do need to be cognizant of the future and cognizant of the past. And particularly as a parent, you know, a small child is almost always completely in the moment. That's what's interesting about a small child. A little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, seeing this little boy and he's just completely immersed in the thing that he's doing right then. And that's a beautiful quality. I think we should even learn from that. But we do have to be aware and go back and forth between, well, this has consequences. If, if, if this child consumes this thing, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. I can't just completely get lost in the mystery of what's happening right then. I have to be aware of the, the repercussions, the consequences mm -hmm, of things. Mm -hmm. So kind of dancing back and forth between those things. I think when I, when I think of this, for example, in, in uh, teaching a class, or even you know, any discussion that you have, it's good to have some level of preparation, some guideposts, some objectives, some goals. But if it's too overly scripted or predetermined, it loses some of the spontaneity that makes it interesting for people and interesting for, your, for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, but, there's a, but you also don't want to be completely as a clean slate. And just, because that also can lead to frustrations. That sounds like a good idea in theory, but ultimately you're there and you're like, I, I, wish, I, had, I wish I had a little bit more behind me, a little bit more ammunition. So there's a balance. There's a balance. And I think life is that as well, is we come in with, with preparation. We do our, our best to create a better future, a better day for ourselves through things that we do. We pack our lunch. You know, We want to make sure we're ready for tomorrow. But we're also, with that, not completely fixated on the past or fixated on the future. We do allow ourselves to, with the preparation that we have, almost prepare so that you can be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, that balance has to have both 
And I think the reason we talk like mindfulness is so important. But of course, you can't be only in the moment to really experience life. And even if you try to, you actually can't because we know that what we experience is a lot of our brain predicting what's happening, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting mm -hmm. to even think about that. It's not really possible uh, overall. Um, but really to live life, you have to be able to, you have to plan a bit and look in the future as well. You have to learn from your past and your experiences and your memories, even your relationship with someone. Now you feel something, but it's built from the memories and connections and the experiences you have with them, which you don't have to rethink about. They're just there, but you have to find that, that balance or even just to prepare for life or do things. Now, certain times we might get lost in the moment. I think that could be good, but that's what you're saying. It's a, uh, a balancing act. Sometimes you can do a certain activity that because of the kind of maybe even prepared it to have it that you can totally lose yourself because you know yeah. it's going to be okay with what you need to do next or what's going on in your life. Yeah. Um, but overall, being, being more mindful is something that most people, especially in the Western world, especially with technology and the way that things are, the way we use certain things, can benefit from being much more mindful and recognizing they're missing so much of the meaning and, and the beauty of their life because they're not experiencing their experiences day to day, that right in front of them, something beautiful is happening. Not, you know, it also goes back to this idea of it's not, oh, you'll get to meaning and then life will be mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Life can mm -hmm. be good now as you're creating your meaning and finding it. Uh, but, it, you know, it's in the moments that we really want to, to be aware of that. And that's really where the magic happens. Yeah. And, and I think even in this um, this paradox of preparation and spontaneity as a metaphor for preparing for a class, but also in preparing for just how we live our lives. Um, I think it's the motivation behind the preparation that is an issue. You know, one person might think, I don't trust myself. Let's say they're doing public speaking. I don't trust myself to be able to be spontaneous in the moment. Therefore, I'm gonna dictate every single word, every cough, mm -hmm. every part of what I do so that I can alleviate the anxiety that I feel now and, and in anticipation of it and in the moment. With that motivation, I think you are completely taking yourself out of the moment. On the other hand, I think someone who prepares meticulously, meticulously to create and foster the environment in every way, based on how the class is structured, where everyone's seated, the topics that he thinks would be most interesting, maybe a few things, a few guideposts to bring him back, that just gives that person the confidence to be spontaneous. In other words, again, it's you're preparing yourself so that you could be spontaneous. You're doing, and the more you do with that intention in mind, I want to do everything I can so that when I'm in the moment, I can be fully present. And that's a metaphor that I can use for public speaking, but in life, it's, mm -hmm. it's that way as well. Not to predetermine things and try to excessively dictate this is, and then I'm going to, I've seen people, they literally will map out their life. I'm going to do this. And then at the age of 23, I'm going to do this. And then at 26, this at 30, I'm going to get married at 33. Like everything is very, very predetermined. And that gives them a sense of safety, security, alleviates any anxiety about the uncertainty that the future just is. But I think we're at our best when we have given ourselves the tools so that we could be in the moment, mm -hmm. the tools so that whatever comes our way, we have the trust, the ability, the confidence that I'll be able, I know there's going to be surprises. And I have the ability to take those on and mm -hmm. make the best of those. Yeah, it's, you know, I think there's uh, having some constraints that actually are liberating in a way because mm. of that. Because, you know, um, I was thinking of like a dancer and if they know they have this whole floor mm -hmm. to dance and they know that it's safe even if they go to the edges, then within that they can create something beautiful because they the constraints actually liberate them in a way of giving them the space to do whatever they want to do within that. Mm -hmm. And so I think bringing it back to the context of what we're saying is if we have the right guiding values and principles 
that are guiding what you're doing, exactly how they're going to play out. And, you know, even as I'm looking at it on my hands, it's almost like these different colors and how they're going to blend to create <laughs> something beautiful. <laughs> you can't know and predict because it's going to happen when you get to those places. But you want to make sure you're starting with the right values and constraints that within that you can be as flexible as you want to be. You can do everything you want with those, within yeah. those bounds. I think it is actually liberating and it's, it's, it is finding a balance of kind of chaos versus rigidity, you know, flexibility yeah. versus things being too rigid. It's not a black and white type of a thing, but you want to look for that. And if you are guided by the right things, I think then you can have that freedom to just explore within that and let what happens happens based on those values. I love that analogy. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're fine-tuning your choice of the colors and the paintbrushes and the things that you bring in to have. But then the way they, they mix and the way they come together, all of that, you've opened yourself up to things that you can't foresee because that's the reality of life and actually that's what makes life most interesting. I mean, it is not a predetermined script. There is no blueprint. Again, if someone comes and says, I have the meaning of life, this is where your life will be. They're by definition a charlatan. And that's a beautiful thing about life is that we don't know. And so we come with the proper tools. And one of the proper tools is our own self-awareness and our self-confidence that we will be able to withstand and overcome the challenges that come our way, the surprises that come our way. And with that, I think that to me lives, begins to drive you towards a meaningful life, mm -hmm. a meaningful life that will be full of surprises and full of new meanings that you don't see today that you'll discover in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a, maybe a good place to you know, wrap up as we have a few minutes left of finding those values for yourself that will guide your, li your, your life. I guess first even taking a step back, recognizing I think that we should want to live a purposeful and meaningful life and make that a focus as you brought up, not just thinking of happiness. And as we usually do it, it's more elusive than um, if we make it maybe a byproduct of what we're, we're doing, but looking at life, looking at what kind of life you want to live. And it could be, as we said, looking at other people and what they've done. So I did talk about not making them gods and goddesses, but we can learn from others and what we've we must, seen. we should, we yeah, should be we learning have, from others. Right. Yes, we have yeah. to learn from, from others. So we, we have to, we can look at them and look at life and what we want it to look like. And we can't, like, as you said, make a map that this is exactly yeah. what my life. And that's the thing when people say, oh, look at so-and-so, you know, they did this and this and that. You can't say because you don't know if that's what your journey is going to have along the way. Um, but finding those guiding principles the things you want to see in your life or want to create, and then you can live in more moment to moment once you're guided by those things. You know, you're not going to know for your... 30th anniversary exactly what you're going to do with your partner but knowing that you're going to focus on creating a loving respectful caring relationship you have faith and belief that you'll find the right thing to do together then you don't you can't prepare for it now um, you have to let it get to that point to know what even feels right if you actually try to prepare for it now you'll miss so much of what actually really exists then to make the best decision then you know and, and people do that with a lot with life in in four years am i going to want to do this or that or yeah. you know you can't know and you have to just trust that when you get there, you'll make that decision there because you don't have all the information, which includes these four years and what's happening at that moment to make that full decision of exactly what to do then. Being guided by the right principles will help you make that decision better. But thinking you can know today what to do then means that you're trying to, as you said, formulate a map that's too detailed for your life where it's more about picking those right colors and those right values and creating that life. Uh, beautifully said. Beautifully said. Values, principles that guide us and an openness to how those will play out, how those will manifest themselves. I think that's that's the balance that I think we should try to strike. Yeah. And, you know, as we said to start the show, we weren't going to 
answer the question of the meaning life. There was no spoilers there. I said that we can't really answer it for you. We do that o- over this commercial break. We do get the answer. Unfortunately, we're at the last commercial break, yeah. so we can't. We can't. Do, we would maybe we'll have to do it solo. But meaning is something that we strive for. We try to create, but we want to take a step to look at our life to to create that for ourselves. And definitely, relationships are one of those things that makes it meaningful. Forever grateful for my relationship with my brother Parham who joined me on the show today, Param John. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Fatty. Thank you for saying that last part that I uh, paid you uh, extra to get. That's an extra thing you give to the host. No, thank you so much, Fatty. I treasure our relationship. And more than anything, something that we didn't get enough of here, maybe you don't hear of, Fatty's the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. And sometimes that, you know, because of the seriousness of the topics, that doesn't come through, but he makes me laugh harder than I've ever laughed in my life. And um, very, very grateful for this conversation, but more than that, grateful for... Uh, the best gift ever given to me was having a brother Bless like Bless your heart. Thank you, sir. Again, pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Have you back on soon. Big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Lakwi. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.